This is the Troll Patrol. Why? With Justin. Freaking. Well, I'll tell you what, Chainsaw. You're not the only one fired up tonight. Because I got some cats. I don't know what the... Oh. Oh. Oh, wait a minute. I was told it's a full moon. Is that why my cats are all wild tonight? Maynard is chasing socks around. Socks is all up in my shit. Welcome. Good evening. Troll Patrol live. It's a freaking Thursday. He's nuts. What is up, my friend? So glad to see you tonight. So glad to see Chainsaw. I got an invite to a group called CCC. I ain't never seen that logo before. I fucking declined it immediately. It's like, fuck these people. Who are these fucking people? CCC. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. I joined your group. I had to go manually do it myself. That's how much I fucking love you. Clinically, good evening. Welcome. Jam-packed, wild evening. All kinds of, that news be doing all kinds of stupid shit tonight. Let me tell you. <laughs> Remember how we talked about the plane that the door just fucking flew off? Well, that ain't the only shit been happening with planes. And the, and the right wingers are blaming it on the woke. That's going to be a lot of... I'm not high enough for this shit. Just the world, it'd be, it be crazy. Listen. I tried to watch wrestling last night. We're doing another wrestling story tonight. If you guys haven't heard... About Vince McMahon, buckle up, buckaroos. I tried to watch wrestling last night. I, I, I lay down here on the couch after working my ass off all day. And like I lay down, I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make dinner while wrestling is on. Take advantage of being able to see the TV from my kitchen. I lay, I lay down... I wake up right at the end. Like, it's 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 almost the main event time of wrestling when I wake up. Just fell right the fuck to sleep. <laughs> I, took a, I took a nap just a little bit ago. I've been, I've been fighting with this goddamn video. I told this woman I'd have a video to her yesterday. I finished it yesterday. She doesn't have it because it's, it's a two-hour video, first of all. It's two hours long. But it is like 11 different videos on the screen at the same time, plus some After Effects graphics. So I didn't think about it when I was, you know, telling her a timeline and everything. Fuck, this is my, my Adobe software wanted to take 15 hours to export that shit. Finally, my plan was to break it up into smaller pieces, because I, I tried to do the 15-hour planned but after like two hours it just quit on me and i was like what the fuck and it kind of sucks to be down like i don't have my computer when i'm exporting video 
We're we're in between segments right now. That's 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 why we're doing this show. It finished up about six o'clock. I I I I don't even know where I'm going. I just fucking I've been trying to export this video all goddamn day. I haven't been able to do anything on my computer whatsoever. I've got no work done. Just laid on the couch and slept. Played some video games. Anyway, how's your guys' day been? I'm frustrated. I'm very frustrated about the video. Frustrated about a lot of things. There's some... There's some... uh, What are you cats doing? Seriously. Flash, good evening. Babble? What is Babble? That's that movie with Brad Pitt from the mid-2000s. That I absolutely despise, right? Like, it's like one event uh, has a ripple effect across four different continents or some shit. Worst goddamn movie I've ever seen in my life. I don't like Brad Pitt. I don't need to be, like. I don't need to be awake for anything. It's just like I let the computer do things. But I need to I need I need to be doing other things while the computer is doing its thing. Also, I don't drink uh, energy drinks. I'm uh, not really into that kind of thing. Vince did what? Brock did what? Bro, just what? Seriously, if you do not know what what happened today. We've covered the saga of Vince McMahon in the WWE. Uh, it's been in the financial news because of the merger with TKO and shit. The merger with UFC to form TKO. Shut up, Warlord. You'd think that. You would think that. Good evening to you. Good evening to you, Warlord. Uh, I tip I tip my uh, marijuana pipe to you. This Vince definitely looks different. It's a weird looking Vince. We got that we got that pirate Vince going on. I totally believe everything I've I've read. The real one died in a limo. Oh my god. He's a real he's a real shitty dude. Real piece of work, this motherfucker. There is a Robert Evans behind the bastards on him, and I highly recommend it. It's really not so much a behind the bastards on Vince McMahon. It sort of covers all the bastards in all the history of professional wrestling. But, you know, in some way, Vince is like six degrees of separation, you know, from from all the bastards in the history of professional wrestling. That That is a choice for facial hair, isn't it? This is the way he came back after we after we 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 heard there were sexual harassment allegations, but we didn't have like anything concrete, and they booted him from the board. When he came back, this is the way he came back. 
a man who who 100% gray, 100% gray hair, has completely dyed his his hair brown, has a very thin French man mustache. Those are are plucked eyebrows as well. I'm pretty certain. You don't you don't get those are fancy lad eyebrows. <laughs> The man is worth like two and a half billion dollars. Jesus. And apparently thinks he can do whatever the fuck he he wants to do. He's basically the the Weinstein of the wrestling world. I think that's a that's a good way to put it. If you didn't see my if you didn't see my meme. Vince did what? Brock did what? Bro, just what? I wonder what Sable had to say to Brock Lesnar when he got home. The story, I felt like the story broke around noon. Maybe Brock was out on the farm chopping wood or some shit. Out curing some meats. He walks back into his house with Sable. Just finding out what's going on. Brock did what? And I love that they didn't actually... They did not identify Brock Lesnar by name. But the information that they gave... It is only one person and it has to be Brock Lesnar. Now, 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 as I was, I was, I was listening to recounting of the news, I was like, well, it could be Cain Velasquez... But then, like, oh, the timeline doesn't fit. This happened in 2021. Had to be Brock Lesnar. Anyway, we got all kinds of other shit going on in the news. I'm sure you want to hear about that too. We're gonna do. We're gonna do quite a bit of sports tonight. Is uh, John Daly the? You, you've seen the meme, right? With like Tiger Woods looking all preppy. And then John Daly with his wild ass pants and his and his uh, loud shirt, smoking a cigarette with his long ass beard, just looking just looking like he wants to talk some shit to Tiger. Everybody knows that meme, right? Motherfucker apparently is homophobic as shit, or, uh, transphobic as shit. Criticized a LG PGA Tour golfer going to delve into the controversy. I'm going to tell you how to poison an AI. There is a tool, a free tool that will poison AI models. Love it. Parents in Georgia raise money to wipe out lunch debt for students after it became public that students would be given cheese sandwiches if they had a school lunch debt. Once again, just the the word school lunch debt or the phrase school lunch debt. The fact that that's even a thing I'm saying just shows how big of a failure we are as a country. PETA is wanting uh, Pennsylvania... I guess the city of Puxatawney to replace their world-renowned uh, 
groundhog named Phil. You never can guess what they suggested to replace him with. I thought this was going to be uh, like a salacious story, but it appears that porn star Jesse Jane was found because, like, I saw like the local story and everything. Porn star Jesse Jane found dead, apparently an overdose with her boyfriend. I I debated whether even to put it on the show, but I put her big ass titties right on the front of the thumbnail on YouTube. This was back before I knew exactly what happened. I kind of feel like it's another like like I feel sorry that a porn star uh, OD'd, but it's not it's I I thought we were getting like a true crime, somebody slashed her throat kind of deal going on. Not that I was hoping for that. I mean, this sounds horrible. All this sounds horrible. I'd like to take the time to reiterate that we support sex workers around here wholeheartedly. I've I've offered to do plenty of work for sex workers. A deputy was shot while serving an eviction, so he deserved it. Pastor says God, God told him to commit crypto fraud. Man in Japan has been sentenced to death for an arson that killed over 30 people. Dozens, dozens of people. It's going to get real dark. It's going to get real dark and sad here at, at one point in time during the show. We're going to have to talk about Alabama is carrying out an experimental execution like right now. Like it's probably going on right now. Peter Navarro, Trump's former aide, got some prison time today. Speaking of prison time, we're going to talk about how Trump's legal cases are affecting his 2024 run for the presidency. The head of the Arizona GOP that we heard on tape talking about Carrie Lake the other day has now resigned. All that and a lot freaking more tonight on the Troll Patrol live. Good evening. Freedom. Did I tell you good evening? Socialist aunt. I'm so glad to see you. I I am a very much a, a, an abolitionist when it comes to the death penalty. Goldfish. Good evening. <laughs> At least that person doesn't have to watch the 2024 election. Can't argue with that. Like it's bleak. It's 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 uh it's morbid. I like it though. I mean, it's a you know, look on the sunny side of life. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Where is he at? I need I need some help from Jesus. Oh, we're also we're gonna hear from We're gonna hear from uh, Shut up Battle Opossum. You know who needs to die? You 
in Mortal Kombat. Tonight, after I get on with this stream, I'm going to kick your fucking ass, sir. I'm going to fatality you. I'm going to brutality you. I might even give you a friendship or two in there. I mean, if you were, if you were cashing out, 2012 might have been around the time to do that. Perhaps like 2014. If you were if you were truly like just planning to cash out. Okay. Oh yes, that's another thing. Ben Shapiro is gonna be in a rap song that drops tomorrow with Tom McDonald. I'm not lying. I'm serious. I'm not fucking lying. You think you think I'm playing with you? The smoke, the smoke in the, in the picture here is coming from the friction observed in all of the vaginas surrounding these two men. I mean, I'd decide, I'd kind of pick and choose who needs to die. Any any bureaucracy is going to be flawed in, in administering justice, and I kind of don't want anybody to be in charge of making that decision. I wish our I definitely wish our courts would act quicker. On the other side, they'll put you away quickly. God damn, they'll put your ass behind bars. Richard, good evening. But when it comes to reviewing your case, when you've got an appeal or some shit, shit takes years. There are people who have sat on de uh, uh, on death row, yes, but just in prison in general for decades with information knowing that they were probably innocent or are innocent. It's bullshit. I'd rather be playing video games right now, but the news gimp had to get out of his out of his uh, gimpy hole. Is that what they call it, a gimpy hole? I'm not really into the BDSM stuff, so I don't really I don't know all the terminology. Maybe, maybe the lines on my camera are because I keep blowing smoke at it and the camera is really fucking high. I deserve a titty slap. A titty that. slap! Vince <laughs> <laughs> did what? Brock did what? Bro, just what? Not a chondria. Hey, if you want what's good, you came to the wrong show. This is this is definitely not the what's good show. <laughs> this is this is definitely everything that's wrong with the world. I'll I'll, I'll summarize for you. <laughs> this is not what that news be doing. 
a plane lost its nose, its whole nose. Potential disaster avoided at Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport after a Delta Airlines plane lost a very important piece on the runway. But the <laughs> captain had no idea there was trouble until a pilot on a different jet sounded the alarm. Fox Vice Tyler Fingert is live at the airport with the air traffic control audio you need to hear. Tyler? Christine, good afternoon to you. This is a head scratcher for people in the aviation world. Just seconds before takeoff over the weekend, a Delta Airlines jet lost know. one of its wheels on an Atlanta runway. Luckily, no one was injured, but federal investigators are trying to figure out what happened. Just before a Delta Airlines plane began its takeoff roll down the runway Saturday morning at Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport, a warning over the radio. This is the aircraft. Look plane broke. One of your nose tires just came off. It just rolled off the runway uh, behind you. The Boeing 757 bound for Columbia stopped in its tracks after one of its nose wheels came off. The crew in command unaware until a fellow Delta pilot's. This is, this is not the only nose wheel that's come off on a trip to Columbia. Spoke up. Tower, uh, let me have a, I'm going to contact our maintenance folks and see if we can get a tow in. A landing gear problem in general, they happen uh, for various reasons. The sensors in the gear don't work, but for a tire to actually just fall off like that is extremely rare. Paul Carr is a retired Delta captain with decades of experience. He says this is likely a maintenance issue and not a problem with the Boeing plane. He says from a safety perspective, he's glad it happened during taxi and not takeoff or landing. They know how to handle emergencies like that. But if they had lost it in flight somehow, uh, they would have come back and they would have landed and, like I said, done some equipment damage, but everybody would have been fine. Delta apologized to the passengers and says it put them on a different plane to just, just shit falling off your plane. Eventually found. We have located a tire. You have located a tire. Yes, sir, we're in a safety area on the uh, south, south shoulder. Right. We didn't know if it made it all the way to 285. Investigators say the runway where this happened was shut down for several hours. It's unclear why the wheel came off, but the FAA tells me they're now investigating. Okay, Delta plane loses nose wheel. I left that important part off because it sounded, it sounded more dramatic than what it actually was. But this comes off the hills of the door flying off a plane. They did. Did we watch that on the? On, I know we watched the plane, and like we saw footage from inside the cockpit after the door flew off. But did we watch where they found a cell phone from the plane that got sucked out? It was it didn't crack or anything. Conservatives are blaming diversity. Blaming diversity on uh, mechanical failures on planes. It's weird. After twisting a Boeing safety issue into an outrage over black pilots and the LGBTQ inclusion, the far right is taking aim at commercial carriers. Nervous flyers are nothing new, and the fear of air travel is as common as they come. But a cohort of right-wingers have convinced themselves that planes are more dangerous than ever because of airlines' diversity, equity, and inclusion policies, which they basically argue have put unqualified flight crews in the cockpit. 
Lately, some have uh, even expressed racist doubts in the abilities of black pilots or pledged not to fly on commercial carriers that's, uh, that show support for the LGBTQ community. Although DEI has become a favorite boogeyman for conservatives of late, supplanting a moral panic over the supposed inclusion of critical race theory in grade school curricula, the focus on planes is the result of actual safety concerns about Boeing's 737 MAX 9 model. One such aircraft, operated by Alaska Airlines, had a panel of its fuselage blow out mid-flight on January 5th, causing rapid depressurization and necessitating an emergency landing. Early analysis of the accident has indicated a possible bolt failure, and Boeing is now under scrutiny for possible manufacturing errors. The FAA has, meanwhile, grounded other MAX 9s in service. Rather than hold Boeing to account, however, some culture warriors have opted to build a narrative around the airlines, accusing Alaska and others of creating unsafe flying conditions. They have, they have created unsafe flying conditions for profit. The capitalistic incentive. But they are accusing them of creating unsafe flying conditions with initiatives to employ more women and people of color and the LGBTQ community. They falsely claim such diversity goals are now the only criteria in the hiring process over and above the ability to effectively fly an airplane as Michael Surfert, CEO of a pro-America online shopping website, put it earlier this month. An online shopping website. This motherfucker going to voice his opinion. Diversity and diversity targets working into the Aviate Academy. We have committed that 50% of the class of, of the classes will be women or people of color. Uh, today, only 19% of our pilots at United Airlines are women or people of Venus, color. Venus, good evening. Way, all the data I've seen. For, uh, spider Pigle. In the country. White males don't just dominate. Good evening, friends. Also in the C-suite at United Airlines. Well, look, at United, I'm proud of the diversity that we actually have in our, our C-suite. I think if you look around corporate America. Correct me if I'm saying though. So I, this is just. Says the really white man. This is exactly this. But out of 11 people, three are women. I believe one is a person of color. Um, BB girl. That's correct. Um, but, you know, in corporate America, I think, you know. That's a low bar. How do you yeah. raise your own bar? Well, a lot of this is, you know, focusing on it. We have uh, Blue Shoe. Blue Shoe is how you raise your own bar. This uh, stream brought to you by Blue Chew. Raise your bar with Blue Chew. Blue Chew. It's the, it's the thing that you eat when you want to ram somebody with your bar. Richard, good evening. Uh, programs to, one of the things we do is for every job when we do an interview, we require women and people of color to be involved in, in the interview process, bringing people in early in their careers um, as well, uh, and giving them those opportunities uh, and creating. So that was the CEO of United wants to emphasize that diversity, equity, and inclusion guided racial and gender quotas are the key considerations when determining who will be piloting your upcoming flight. He also said the CEO of Delta Airlines is dedicated to implementing the neo-Marxist strategy of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Thoughtful. I don't even know, like, how does that relate to Marx? I just, <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, go I'm going for that sponsor. <laughs> Thoughtful action combined with a focus on champion. <laughs> 
<clears throat> Thoughtful action combined with a focus on championing diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. And within our personal, I don't even give a shit anymore. There's zero proof that recruiting pilots who aren't white men, which are still the overwhelming majority in the profession, puts airline passengers at risk. I would I would trust other people other than a white man. You tell me a black woman's flying the plane, I'm, pr I'm probably going to be more inclined. Like, she's pr like, the pressure she has been under to get where she's fucking at, what she has faced, come the fuck on. You know she's good. Fucking, I see an old white man. I That makes me scared. Companies also aren't hiring pilots who lack proper training or credentials. Last fatal commercial airline crash in the U.S. was almost 15 years ago. And a 2020 study by an MIT professor found that commercial travel, uh, travel is safer than ever. Ten times safer than it was four decade, uh, decades prior. And again, industry experts suspect the Alaska Airlines incident will trace back to Boeing, whose troubles with this generation of 737s date back to two crashes abroad in 2018 and 2019. It killed hundreds, costing the company billions in fines and legal fees as they redesigned a faulty maneuvering system. Yet the anti-DEI crowd has used the latest frightening episode, which the flight crew handled expertly, to air grievances over what they view as affirmative action for the workplace, painting bogus scenarios of how woke corporate branding could potentially bring down a plane with you and your family ab aboard. See what we got here from the, from the. Yeah! Yeah! This is Chaya Ratchik. In case you're wondering what Alaska Air has been focusing on. It's diversity inclusion, making their planes gay and having that sounds lovely and having drag queen flight attendants. If you're on an Alaska plane, just pray their diversity hires don't screw up. And they're putting the same energy into safety. Ah, shit. Damn, she hot. Are they are hot? Kind of sold me on Alaska Airlines, Chaya. I mean, I get, I get to ogle the the hot drag queen. Shit. The scope of the outrage only widened in the following weeks, with nearly every major airline blasted for similarly marking and diversity programs. Canadian alt-right podcaster Jeremy McKenzie tweeted footage of an uh, Atlas Air Boeing 747 cargo plane that made an emergency landing in Miami after suffering an engine fire on January the 18th, writing, the industry has become too dangerously incompetent to survive. Wait a minute. They successfully landed the plane with an engine on fire, and the industry has become incompetent, is what you're saying. Are you... 
Guess you should have hired for skill and ability rather than diversity. It sounds like they did. <laughs> it's like rocket wingers are so wild, man. It's like them saying the 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 border is open. It's wide open. Even though it is heavily fortified and record numbers of law enforcement interactions last month. Make it make sense. They landed the plane. The, yeah, yes, chainsaw. Fucking you owe me a coat. Jinx, motherfucker. After a wheel came off at a taxiing Delta Airlines jet Boeing 757 at the Atlanta airport on Saturday, conservative influencer MJ Truth Ultra shared a video about it on X asking who's flying DEI this year. Oh, shit. Saturday morning, a Delta Boeing 750. Oh, so, so this is his post who's flying DEI this year. I don't know if this is just a news story. like this one. Flight 982 with 172 passengers on board bound for Bogota, Colombia, taxiing slowly. Bogota. Before taking off. From the 982 uh, tower, sounds like we've got a problem. The yeah, I think this is the news story. We already heard the news story. I want to hear somebody say something stupid. Let's go to Charlie Kirk. I think this United story and the DEI story yes. hits so hard because we've all been in the back of a plane when the turbulence hits or when you're flying through a storm and you're like, I'm so glad I saw the guy with the right stuff and the square jaw get into the cockpit before we took off. And I feel cockpit. No, I mean, like, that. you want to go thought crime? Like, I'm sorry. If I see a black pilot, I'm going to be like, boy, I hope he's qualified. Well, well, that's the you wouldn't have done that. You wouldn't have. You no, wouldn't have done that not, before. That's not an immediate. No, you wouldn't that's have done that before. That's not who I am. That's no. not what I believe. It is the reality the left has but created, I, I, I'm, I'm, and that's why I think this United story. The reality the left has created said the Nazi said said the Nazi. Charlie Kirk's like that's not who I am. That's absolutely who you are. Do we have anybody else? Do we have any other stupid shit to listen to? Oh, fuck. What'd Trump say? Facts matter, folks. The rule of law matters. Merit matters. Again, if you think this is going to stop at Trump, you have not been watching. It's sort of how we just expect airplane pilots and air traffic controllers to be chosen based on their skills, not on their race. I couldn't care less what race my pilot is. I'd like them to actually know how to fly a plane. I'd like them to be qualified. I'd like them to be the best pilot, not like, I don't know, maybe average at best. I'd like them to be qualified, says the son of the least qualified president we've ever had. And that was a low bar, let me tell you, that Reagan set. This is a very important issue right now. And frankly, the DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion nonsense, really should be called D-I-E. Die, because lives are at risk. For example, the Wall Street Journal reported that in 2023, there were 19 serious runway incidents, the most in recent years. This is a major deal. Overworked air traffic controllers. 
But don't worry, guys. United CEO, United Airlines CEO, Scott Kirby, he's all over it, folks. He's going to fix it. He is making sure it's clearly Don Jr. Look the right way. Just watch Scott Kirby in action. Eric ain't got the stuff. Don Jr. does. But, like, Don Jr.'s not as, like, which, I mean, is his dad likable? I don't get it, but apparently he's likable to somebody. But, like, Laura Trump, Eric's wife, she she wears the pants in that family. She will be the one that will be something if, if anybody on that side, on that branch of the Trump tree. Action. How is diversity and diversity targets? We already walked. We already watched this. Fuck off. So that's the that's the right wingers talking about airplanes being attributed to wokeness. It's it's fucking absurd. Do they will do anything to not blame capitalism? Woke moralists. We'll see who cancels who. Capitalism is literally the cause of all the ills they complain about. They refuse to admit it. Cancel Justin for what? What did I do this time? Speaker of the House Mike Johnson may not be Speaker of the House Mike Johnson. Oh, I'm sorry. Up yours, woke moralists. We'll see who cancels who. I'll do it again. I ain't scared. I got, I got, uh, I'm always lost. I never know what's going on. Kennedy needs cock. I can't wait to have your cock in my mouth. I'm going to give you the blowjob of your life. Then I want you inside of me. Kind of looks like my grandmother, or what my grandmother did look like. My best friend, my best friend, like Battle of Possum Lads, and we're playing video games. And that motherfucker was like taunting me after winning, and was like, "Both my grandparents are alive! Ha <laughs> ha! You ain't got a one!" And I'm like, "Wow!" <laughs> it was like that's that's me. <laughs> I only liked one of them, though. Anyway. Anyway. Speaker of the House Mike Johnson might not be Speaker of the House Mike Johnson very much longer. Uh, we are we are coming to an uh, impasse when it comes to a deal to... We've, we've got part of a deal to keep the government open. We're, 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 we're facing pressure for a border deal. It's part of another part of the budget negotiation. He creeps me out, too. So where are we? Yeah, I think what we've heard from Republican senators today is say that, yes, McConnell was acknowledging the political reality that there's a real challenge to any deal here, but he wasn't saying this deal is off, this deal is dead. And there are a number of Republicans who came out today and said, 
they want to get something done. They see this as a once-in-a-generation chance to actually get yeah. some, some of their tougher border policies enacted. And they don't think that opportunity will be there after this election because Democrats won't have the same political needs. And, and the Ukraine aid may not be on the table at that point as well. So you might not have the Democratic votes for this after the election this year. And of course, Megan, the Senate's just one piece of the puzzle. Our question always has been about the House. Maybe now we have questions about the Senate, too. But the idea being, even if there was a deal to be made between the Senate negotiators and the White House, mm -hmm. how was Speaker Johnson ever going when to do a leap and start doing the news? Vote? House Republicans really want to stick with their own version of the bill, which is a Republican only bill, which is extremely different than the compromise that that senators are trying to hatch. I so made Tindy's last night. Hinge on Johnson, who, who is made? under pressure from Trump to not proceed with any deal that comes out of the Senate. Um, Why are you booing me? She looks like Dua Lipa. I think I don't know. I haven't. I've never seen Dua Lipa with that that much clothes on. So a deal would probably pass the House um, on the backs of Democrats and and about half of the Republican caucus. But putting that vote on the floor is up to Mike Johnson. And if he doesn't want it, it's not going to be on the floor. Well, you're starting to get questions about anything uh, that could be described as progress, whether it's on a border deal or now this tax deal, Jonathan, that we've been talking about quite a bit, bicameral, bipartisan. But we're hearing from members on both sides of the aisle on the Senate Finance Committee. Yeah, I mean, I mean up on this thing, which would likely make it impossible to pass it before tax season, which they wanted to do tax filing season, if at all. Could this maybe be on the rocks, too? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a deal that's been negotiated by the leaders of the committees, and now the members of the committees, the individual rank-and-file members, are taking a look, and they want their priorities ad uh, addressed. And there's a lot of different ways for conservatives are concerned about the child tax credit that may be too much refundability for their liking. Mm. Uh, there are... Uh, Republicans and Democrats from high-tax states like New York and New Jersey who want the state and local tax deduction restored in some way. So everybody's going to want a piece of this if this is one of the few bills that's actually moving through Congress this year. So, yeah, there's a lot of extra steps that could come to this tax deal as well. Does that make it less likely? Uh, it certainly makes it more challenging. It certainly makes it harder to do it very quickly. Ooh, I mean, the question, idea. if they can do it next week to get ahead of tax filing season, it's a you really always make me hungry. right now. It faces a lot of hurdles for sure. So if they can't figure out how to get a bipartisan tax deal actually across the Ooh, finish line, they can't out how to get a potential bipartisan compromise on the border and Ukraine aid across the finish line. How oh, are they, were, Jonathan, were they frozen? Going to sort out funding the government beyond March. <laughs> well, that's one where they seem to have where both sides seem to not want a shutdown. I mean, it's an election year, so people are really wary of giving wins to the other side. A not shutdown is, kind of serves everybody. Republicans are worried about getting blamed for that, um, and they've at least agreed to the top-line deal. It seems like that is something they'll get done at some point, That's but a anything beyond kind of keeping the lights on does become really difficult in an election year. I can talk to us more about the influence that Donald Trump is or is not having on all of these conversations in the House and the Senate. The line from Mitch McConnell was, we don't want to do anything. Yeah, apparently Trump is the reason why the deal is gonna get crashed in the House. To undermine him. He referred to Donald Trump as the nominee. Yes. Should we not also be looking at him as the leader of the Republican Party? On Capitol Hill. Yeah, well, he—I don't know that he has ever not been. Um, okay, his his—he he cast a long shadow since mm -hmm. since leaving office. Um, but I I do get the sense on the Hill, particularly coming out of New Hampshire, 
Um, there is, and there's an inevitability um, surrounding his nomination. He's picking up support on the Hill. And with that, his weighing in on legislation has a newfound power, um, one that, that, that it, it didn't have with people like Mitch McConnell and perhaps even some of the negotiators on this border deal. They see him as the next president, or at least the next GOP nominee for the presidency, which makes him the leader of the party. And his what he says, he can really tip the scales in terms of which way this legislation is going to go. But he has this running back and forth with Mitch McConnell. The two of them have not always seen eye to eye. And Mitch <laughs> McConnell is going to try to keep this deal alive mm -hmm. because he wants to get that funding to Ukraine, mm -hmm. which is key to this. Ukraine will not get funded without a border deal. Yeah, you start wondering, Kaylee, if he's laying the groundwork for a standalone Ukraine funding bill, knowing that this border deal just might not happen. Well, we know Mitch McConnell is a tactician, a proven one, so potentially this is yeah. him trying to negotiate perhaps more publicly than mm -hmm. usual. Just on the idea of Trump being the leader, Megan, finally, the real leader of the House of Representatives is supposed to be the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. <laughs> is the one potential upside of not getting these deals done the idea that he won't have to put them on the floor and potentially risk the gavel, that maybe he just remains Speaker until we have a Congress in 2025. Yes, I mean, doing nothing definitely works to Mike Johnson's political advantage. Um, it's it's the doing something, the the border and Ukraine that really puts I, I think in he gets cheated. if Republicans don't get all of what they want. Um, funding the government is also difficult for him because he's he's really hamstrung by these hardliners. Even the tax deal is difficult because hardliners don't want to give Joe Biden a leg up on this. And because, as John pointed out, um, Moderate Republicans, particularly those in New York and New Jersey, are very upset that the the salt tax mm -hmm. no uh, such was thing not, was not increased as part of this deal. So he's getting it from both ends there. Um, so it, it doing nothing is is definitely perhaps his preferred strategy, but that also makes him a weaker speaker. that Ron Johnson? It is. Because in, internally, by the way, it was Hoven's idea. John Hoven had the idea, you know, we ought to have some kind of... Fucking John Hoven. That they have to meet if they're going to get, you know, what they want. In this case, was Ukraine funding. I thought that was a great idea. So literally, had to be at least a half a dozen lunches, if not more. He didn't have a beard before, point. right? I made the point that I would not only vote for, I would promote a bill... To help the freedom-loving people of Ukraine, if fucking Rick Scott, look at the way he's looking. Like, why are they so weird? Why are Republicans so fucking weird? Point that I would not only vote for, I would promote a bill to help the freedom-loving people of Ukraine if it actually secured the border. But this is what we need to do with the law of this administration. So there was a great deal of support in our conference for that position. But without consulting the conference at all, apparently Leader McConnell told Senator Langford, who's trying to do a good job. I bought Black Market. That's not even on the table. And we've had first time in a long time. Senator Sinema said, but James never asked for that. And, and that just, you know, it, it, it boggles our mind when the conference, there was a great deal of support for something that would give us leverage that would force President Biden to actually secure the border. 
that wasn't even part of the discussion. So, I mean, that's why I talk about, you know, the lack of negotiating skills is profound from leadership. So now, now we've got this with so, so many holes, and this, again, a Rube Goldberg solution that's not a solution, because as many people have said, they caused this problem. Biden I'm amazed he knows what Congress a Rube Goldberg machine is. They want an open border. It's a real problem for James Langford having to deal with that. It's even more difficult when he's getting his marching orders in, ter in terms of nego no the negotiation, not from the conference in terms of what the conference red lines are, but what the red line of one individual is who doesn't consult with the conference, just makes the decision for us. I really like the guy I, can't, I got it from. He came highly recommended, and I made a friend. I made a, I made a friend. He's cool. Oh, shit. But my, uh, my, my, my legal store that I like is back open. They closed down for a little bit. I don't, they, they've tried to shut down any speculation as to why they closed down. They said they needed to restructure to comply with the law. That was their, that was their official reason they gave. They said they would be moving to a new location shortly. I, but they're back open now, so I look forward to visiting them soon. Remember on Tuesday night, we did the, the meaningless New Hampshire primary. I played for you the audio leaked by, I'm pretty sure leaked by Gary Lake. It has now resulted in the Arizona GOP chairman resigning over the tapes that were leaked. Welcome back. There's a political firestorm brewing in Arizona. The Republican Party chairman resigned today, not willingly, he claims by force, after a leaked audio recording between him and U.S. Senate candidate Carrie Lake went public. In that audio, former chairman Jeff DeWitt appears to be offering Lake money to keep her out of the 2024 Senate race, which she entered anyway. This is interesting, and DeWitt says Lake's team threatened to release more damaging recordings if he did not step down. Scripps News political correspondent Garrett Archer broke the story. He joins us now in- Oh, that's exactly what a Garrett Archer would look like. Lake we're friends at one point. When did this exchange happen and why leak it now? Yeah, this is something out of the West Wing. Uh, this exchange happened uh, about 10 months ago, uh, and then Carrie Lake sort of alluded to this uh, exchange happening. Sir, the West Wing was a show set in the White House. The West Wing. At a CPAC speech she did around that time, so we knew that was kind of when it happened. Uh, and then as far as it did he just right political now, well, the Arizona Republican Party is about to go through their mandatory meeting, which is their annual meeting of state committeemen, uh, and this is basically a, a, a way to manipulate uh, the... Uh, now Now they have to do a vote for chairman. I mean, with the chairman resigning, uh, resigning, they now have to do a vote for chairman, not at this meeting, but very soon, they now have to have a new chairman going into this next election and people allied with with lake uh, of the people i've spoken to that they want this chairmanship i think she's got bigger aspirations explicit i'm going to give you this cash to put in your freezer if you do this is it i'm going to give you a board seat because some people might think well that's sure pilot you said west wing i'm thinking house of cards but this is how <laughs> politics works maybe both were said the white house well, I could set something up maybe don't run this time or was it here's some cash 
Well, it was, it was it's kind of sort of both. Uh, it was very, uh, you know, Chairman DeWitt, uh, DeWitt was very vague about how he did this. Um, the, uh, you know, he did say that pe powerful people back east were the words he used. He didn't necessarily, he didn't tell her who those powerful people are, uh, which adds to the mystery. And then he said, uh, basically, he told her at one point, just give me a number. Uh, he did also say that this was basically uh, for a possible uh, opportunity, is the word he said. So basically alluding to this. Fair enough, clinically. Uh, people back east uh, saying that we'll give you some sort of job, some sort of uh, something, but there mm. was absolutely a number attached to that. So, uh, did, you mm. know, it it's definitely has everything when, you, when you're talking about, like you said, a house of cards. <laughs> well, G Garrett, I mean, set the table for us. We're about, you know, 10, 11 months away from a big election. The party's now going but in. But she's part of that group of Republicans that... Like, they're more like chaos agents than they are actually trying to get things done. Like the Freedom Cock. They're there, they're there to stop government. ...that election without a chair. Could that hurt the Arizona Republican Party? They've seen a lot of turmoil in the past. Wings this day. certainly can't help. Yeah, the, the Arizona Republican Party, like all state Republican parties, their function during elections is to do a, uh, a get-out-the-vote uh, operation for the Republican slate. Uh, and what this does is that sort of throws into chaos uh, if the the party will have the uh, finances to run this turnout operation that they are basically charged to do by the RNC uh, and by other places. Typically, money flows through the party, uh, and then they have uh, they, that that allows them to pay for mailings, pay for extra staff, uh, do basically do everything you need to do for, for get out the vote. Garrett Archer, Scripps News political correspondent in Phoenix. Garrett, thanks. I thought it was a phone call, Venus, but I could be wrong. Speaking, speaking of legal ramifications to political races... There's, there's a big one. Trump's legal cases failing to slow down his 2024 bid. But we're in a Manhattan courtroom just two days after his second straight primary victory in the Republican presidential race. Trump testified today in the latest E. Jean Carroll defamation trial against him. And even though he was on the stand for less than three minutes, well, he still managed to break the judge's limits on what he could say. He claimed that her allegations were false, said he wanted to defend himself and the presidency. Uh, there was already a jury verdict that her allegations were true, so he wasn't allowed to do that. Jurors are set to decide uh, whether he owes Carol additional damages now for calling her a liar after she publicly accused him of assaulting her in a department store dressing room back in the 1990s. So that jury in the previous trial found he did indeed sexually abuse and defame E. Jean Carroll. They awarded her $5 million. Trump is appealing that decision. And as this new case and his other legal cases play out in New York, here in Washington and in Florida and in Georgia, will Donald Trump end up using them as a springboard to help win back the White House? Sure looks like it. So joining me now for more, Avis News contributor and presidential historian Mark Updegrove. Mark, I want to uh, tap into your view of our history. Use them as a springboard to win back the White House. I think he feels he needs to win the White House to avoid going to jail. That he will make all these legal troubles magically go away. 
he is president again. We have this spectacle which Donald Trump is reveling in. He's getting hailed into court on all kinds of allegations from uh, sexually assaulting and now defaming a woman to trying to overturn the democracy to stealing classified material and lying about it. And yet he's winning. Have we ever seen a politician with this kind of hold that these kinds of disgraces for any other politician don't matter? No, <laughs> Terry. And I think the the he defies logic in, in every respect. He's like Up to no groove. candidate we've ever had, plain and simple. Uh, this the, the, the legal proceedings against Trump, though, fit so brilliantly into his narrative, which is the deep state, everyone's out to get me story that seems to resonate with a certain segment of the population. And when he says that, I, I think he says, that, you know, I'm going to take the heat here. I'm going to fend off the, the federal government, this deep state attack against me so it doesn't happen to you. I'm going to defend them against you ultimately. And it seems to resonate with a large segment of his base. So there's no doubt, Terry, that he will continue that in order to strengthen his campaign. You know, I want to ask you a big question here. So, a big one. You know, he's saying it's rigged. He, everything, everything that goes against him is rigged. Poll numbers, the ratings for the Apprentice, the 2016 Iowa caucuses, obviously the 2020 election. Everything's rigged. And I wonder if his defiance here, which is so successful for him politically, undermines our institutions in general. People believe him. Everything's rigged. Yeah, I think that's the risk. And we've seen that confidence in our institutions erode as a consequence, I think, of Donald Trump and this message that he continues to to. Uh, they say it so nonchalantly. But you're right, uh, uh, Terry. He has been sounding this message for years, whether it be being snubbed by the Emmys, by, by not getting one for his hit show, The Apprentice. He said that the Iowa caucus was rigged in 2016 when uh, Ted Cruz won. He said that the election would be rigged if Hillary Clinton won in 2016. He's held out the notion that if she won, certainly the, the, the system was rigged against uh, him. And of course, we saw what happened in 2020. And it simply doesn't seem to matter because uh, it, uh, unlike any other candidate, I think Donald Trump is more of an idea of defiance. He's almost an orange middle finger. Uh, and again, for those disaffected in this country, for those who feel alienated, that message continues to resound. Yeah, and he stirs that He's anger kicking authority too. The boss. I've never won the lottery, so I guess the lottery is rigged as well but aside aside from what seems to be almost a farcical you know re re refrain that he says everything that doesn't go well for him is rigged you know it does look like we could see a rematch right between trump and president Biden. a tiny little middle finger and here's the thing that fucks with me is that right-wingers are like the the left always playing a victim victim narrative they have their victim narrative a narcissistic narcissistic victim narrative literally had one say that to me today narcissistic victim narrative is what they accused me of and i'm like mother trump it is literally the figure you guys look up to and worship in november like a baby so how this political rivalry stack up against those past presidential match matchups and what do you think the stakes are here 
It's happened seven other times in history, uh, Terry, but it, it hasn't happened for 60 plus years. The last time this occurred was when uh, Dwight Eisenhower, the Republican uh, candidate, squared off against his Democratic challenger, Adlai Stevenson, both in 1952. Uh, when both were battling for the White House and in 1956 when an incumbent, uh, uh, Dwight Eisenhower, was, was battling once again against Adlai Stevenson. In both cases, Dwight Eisenhower prevailed. Uh, it, at, before for that, you have to go back to the turn of the previous century when William McKinley squared off against William Jennings Bryant twice in 1896 and in 1900. William, uh, uh, William McKinley won both of those contests. So it's a mixed bag, and throughout history, there uh, times when the uh, the challenger beats the incumbent, as uh, that happened with Grover Cleveland, he squared off against Benjamin uh, uh, Benjamin Harrison, lost one time, won the other time. So that's the last non-consecutive president we have. Trump would be uh, the next if he were to beat Joe Biden later this year. So it's not unprecedented uh, that, that this has happened, but it's been a long time since we've seen two candidates square off against each other twice. And a, a lot of it is unprecedented, but it's almost, it's almost comforting to know that we've survived what? similar kinds of races, at least in that sense. Mark Updegrove, our presidential historian, thanks very much for that perspective. There is nothing comforting about any of this. You motherfucker. Shut up, George Stephanopoulos. Jesse Waters has weighed in on what he thinks will win Trump the election in 2024. Let's hear what Jesse Waters has to say. The general election started last night. Trump versus Biden. But one woman is standing in the way, Nikki Haley. So the revenge tour will be making a slight detour through South Carolina. Who the hell was the imposter that went up on the stage before and like claimed a victory? She did very poorly, actually. She had to win. The governor said, she's going to win, she's going to win, she's going to win. But I don't get too angry, I get even. <laughs> the only person... He was angry then. ...or a mirage. She landed in third place in a caucus with a few thousand votes and won just a quarter of Republican votes in a small and moderate New England state where she outspent Trump two to one. Primetime's curious about Nikki's army. Why did you vote for Nikki Haley? Uh, it's a vote against Trump. Um, I think it would be better to have her against Biden. Do you consider yourself generally independent, Republican or Democrat? Uh, Democrat. If it was Nikki Haley against Joe Biden in a general election, who are you voting for? Joe Biden. Biden. Who did you vote for and why? Yeah, so thank you. I voted for Nikki Haley and it was certainly a strategic vote. I would By the way, uh, these right-wingers have gone nuts over this. Apparently they feel that an open primary is somehow some sort of conspiracy against them. It's wild to me. Vote for her in a general election. A vote for Nikki Haley is, helps diminish Trump's influence. Is Nikki Mirage a little sabotage? Because how much of the Haley vote is a vessel for Democrats Listen, and how much of the Haley sabotage. vote is a vessel for never-Trump Republicans? I'm sure Nikki has a small faction of earnest Republicans. We don't doubt that. But we won't know the truth for a month. In between New Hampshire and South Carolina, Nikki and Trump will be getting their licks in at each other while Biden hides and expands his war chest. So that means it's I thought you could come in and, and ask for a ballot, whichever one you want What's to vote in. What's the Nikki strategy? 
Well, the theory is that East Coast kingmakers, or queenmakers rather, with deep pockets, will be financing Nikki through Super Tuesday so she can collect enough delegates to leverage herself onto the ticket. Now, the bankrollers will be using blunt force trauma to the head to create Republican Party unity and tee up Nikki for VP and then POTUS in 28. This is a long shot for a lot of reasons. We get it. We don't need to get into all of it, but it's all here. If Trump can blow Nikki out so spectacularly in the Palmetto state, the donors get alligator arms. Nikki loses her juice. And then she limps into the convention as an insurance policy in case Trump's court cases throw us a curveball. So here's Trump's task. You know, you could open a can of soup with Jesse Waters hair. You just grab him and Night the party like he did in 2020 when 94% of Republicans turned out. Biden did the same thing. 95% of Democrats turned out then. Get some tomato but sauce. a quarter of the country are independents. In it. Now, last time, both Biden and Trump came to that election with equal bases. But Biden won independence by 13 points, and that was the difference. So Trump now has to unite his party with charm, little muscle, and an air of inevitability, and then rally the independents. Well, how does he do that? Policy. Trump dominates Biden on every major what? policy economy, immigration, crime, foreign policy. So if Trump really? and stays on message, he wins. Because Democrats won't be talking about policy this election. It'll be racism, personality, and dictatorship. I think that we're naive to think that he's tricking people into picking him and then mm. surprise, he's going to act like a dictator. What he's offering is strongman leadership, the end of politics, the end of elections. They want him to be a dictator. End, or, the, or the sidelining or domesticating, as Ruth Ben-Ghiat says, of the judiciary uh, mm -hmm. and the Congress. It'll, he'll be the man in charge and he'll get it done. And that's what he's selling and that's what they are very eager to buy. Okay. So Democrats have She's to right. save democracy by slaying the dictator. Well, how are they going to do that? Apparently by not campaigning for president. If I were oh, Biden, I would, I would stay hidden. And I'll tell you why. Um, he doesn't inspire confidence. And he's not a great messenger for himself. There's something wrong with this campaign where we're somehow expecting Joe Biden, who frankly hid during the last campaign, mm -hmm. to come out now and be Flash Gordon and save this, his own campaign. So not only do they not want Joe Biden on the campaign trail, they don't want him on the debate stage. Are they going to be hiding in trenches? I mean, are they going to be? I mean, I mean, are they going to be on the campaign? What is the campaign going to look like? Yeah. Are there yeah. going to be debates? It is, it is going to be. Well, debates. I think that's an open question. Biden's going to let prosecutors in. The Here's the thing: is like Trump didn't do debates in the primary for a very specific reason. Joe Biden can pull that shit in the general and not do debates. I don't want to see it happen. This is good content. It's, it's like I'm a political junkie. I'm into it. But like it might be a smart strategy for Joe not to do a debate with Trump. And the press wage the campaign against Trump. Don't you see? Saving democracy from dictatorship requires hiding the president from the public, arresting Republicans and canceling debates. What? It's just an excuse because we are looking at the weakest president since Carter. Last night, we learned 
10% of Democrats will not vote for him under any circumstances. 40% of Democrats say he's too old for a second term. And a majority of Americans think he's mentally deficient. But we're stuck with the oldest and most unpopular president in American history. I don't know. I think it's 50-50 there's a debate. Because he let Obama pick his DEI vice president. I think if there is, if there is a debate, there's only one. He has to run again. By running again, I mean not running again. So, will independent voters choose Trump? The man who won't campaign or debate Trump? Or another candidate? Hey, Sean Hannity here. Hey. Shut up, Sean Hannity. I, there's, like, we're in uncharted water. Who knows what the fuck the election is going to look like. Is Donald Trump going to be convicted in the middle of a trial? Will the trial start before the election? Like, this is getting ready to be a wild year. I, apparently Fox has just flipped the Trump switch back on. That they were trying to float DeSantis, float Haley. Yeah, that's the that is the problem with uh, debates is they don't let like the League of Women Voters control them anymore. They they set up a bipartisan commission, and both the Democrats and the Republicans have a say. So it's watered down fucking rules. It really sucks ass. Speaking of Trump and legal troubles, Trump's former advisor, Peter Navarro, getting some prison time for uh, contempt of Congress. We are following breaking news. Peter Navarro has been sentenced to four months in prison on two charges of contempt of Congress. These charges stem from his refusal yeah, I'm not to high enough for this shit. related to his actions after the 2020 presidential election. The former Trump White House official arrived at the courthouse in Washington this morning. Prosecutors had asked the judge to impose a prison sentence of six months and a fine of $600,000. Navarro is the second Trump ally to be convicted for defying a subpoena from the January 6th committee. Steve Bannon was also sentenced to four months in prison in October. This picture is tripping me out. It's like Adam Schiff on a wolf kangaroo it's adam schiff on a kangaroo and is that hunter biden as crocodile dundee i believe there's also a nancy pelosi kangaroo that we can't see am i right am i seeing this correctly convicted for he's holding liz cheney's head and there is a crocodile under it is hunter right they've put hunter's face and is that George Floyd behind the bench? <laughs> I don't. Someone help me out with this picture. Am I? Am I seeing things? Defying a subpoena from the January 6th committee, Steve Bannon was also sentenced to four months in prison in October 2022 for the same offense, but a federal judge suspended his sentence to allow his appeal to move forward. CBS News congressional correspondent Scott McFarland joins us now from outside of the courthouse in Washington. Scott, a lot of people look. 
Oh, that was Steve Bannon's face on the Crocodile Hunter guy. Looking at this, you have been following this even more closely than most others. What can you share about today's sentencing? Peter Navarro was expressionless as Judge Amit Mehta handed down this sentence four months in prison for contempt of Congress for defying the subpoena. You could open a can with McFarland's hair. That's the same exact sentence handed down by a different judge to Steve Bannon, another Trump advisor who was also convicted by a jury of contempt of Congress for snubbing that committee. Navarro made a case, made an argument for leniency today. He wasn't expected to. His attorneys advised him not to, but he went to the podium anyhow and made an argument that he believed he was protected from testifying to that committee by executive privilege. Judge Maida responded saying that argument just didn't hold water, that the law doesn't allow for it, that the committee had a job to do, investigating the attack on the U.S. Capitol, and that Navarro made that job harder. And then the judge emphasized to Navarro, you're not a victim. You're not obstruction a of, of a justice. Political prosecution. You made the work harder of the U.S. Congress. That's obstruction of justice. Of Americans. Peter Navarro had made that argument to media, to cameras outside the courthouse, but he testified at his own trial in this case. No, that's Steve Irwin. Now he faces four months in a federal prison, though it's important to underscore. He's certain to appeal this case, and he likely won't have to report to prison during part, if not all, of that appeal. That's one reason why Steve Bannon has yet to report a year and a half later to serve his four-month sentence. Right, I was going to ask and you and about that, Scott, because um, there are ways in which Navarro and Bannon's um, cases are very similar. There are some ways in which they're different. Is it a certainty that Peter Navarro will not uh, have to spend any time behind bars as he tries to appeal his case? It's a real complicated question if you try to unpack it. He's certain to appeal the conviction and the sentence. And Steve Bannon may have set an example for the courts here that you can stay free in this unique case, contempt of the U.S. Congress, while you navigate that appeal. Steve Bannon has stretched out the clock already nearly 18 months. Peter Navarro likely will be able to try, may be able to do the same. But there's also that other asterisk, right? What if there's a new president on January 20th, 2025, who may be in the business of issuing pardons? That's a prospect that's worth talking about, considering Donald Trump has talked about pardons of January 6th defendants. In this case, of course, has a nexus to January 6th. Navarro was convicted of... Yeah, this is what he meant when he said January 6th defendants. All right, Scott McFarland, thank you. Bannon and Navarro. But we begin tonight... Yeah, all the... The weather change has resulted in flooding all over the country. Where we went from record-breaking lows to record-breaking highs here in this part of the in this part of the uh, 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 continental U.S. Ah, this is this was. Ugh. got a weak stomach and you don't want to be around like the crime stuff probably come back in like 15 minutes oh there's vents but like you know that's kind of that's definitely crime stuff this one this one we're we're, we're, we're doing a serious topic
the state of Alabama is going to do a controversial execution using an untested method that's prompted a backlash. This is probably happening right now. Right now. Controversial Alabama execution taking place on Thursday has reignited scrutiny of the death penalty and highlighted the enduring nature of the practice despite attempts to end it. Physicians and human rights experts have condemned the execution, which relies on an untested method known as nitrogen hypoxia because there are concerns it could be painful and inhumane. Alabama is planning to use this method on an inmate named Kenneth Smith. After the state botched, he's already he's already gone through one, botched his first scheduled execution in 2022 when it couldn't find an accessible vein for a lethal injection. Smith was sentenced to death uh, for the was sentenced to the death penalty after he was convicted of capital murder in 1988 using nitrogen hypoxia. The state will place a mask over Smith's head that contains nitrogen instead of oxygen, an action that will eventually suffocate him. Though a slim majority of Americans still back executions, Gallup's November 2023 polling found a new low of 53% to be in favor of executing convicted murderers. Support has been declining for three decades since a peak in 1994. Medical and ethical questions have also led critics to call for an abolition of the death penalty. And Gallup found that for the first time, more people now feel the death penalty is unfairly applied than those who believe it is fairly applied. These stances have gained steam in recent years with some pharmaceutical companies refusing to supply lethal drugs and equipment to conduct executions. Corporations like Pfizer and Johnson & Johnson are among those that block the sale of drugs and medical supplies for this purpose. Politically, the idea has begun to take hold as well. As part of his presidential policy platform, Biden said he'd work to abolish the federal death penalty, a proposal he's been scrutinized for failing to follow through on. More than 20 states have also abolished their death penalty. States like Texas, Florida, and Alabama have held out against this pressure, arguing that the death penalty is a fitting punishment and a deterrent against violent crime. All studies show it is not a deterrent. Alabama's decision to pursue an untested method only adds to long-standing concerns that have been raised about the death penalty, while underscoring how committed some states are to keeping it. Critiques regarding the use of capital punishment have increased in the last decade as opponents have emphasized the racial disparities in this application, identified worries about how humane it is, and cited cases where innocent people have been convicted. Among the chief problems that have been raised are that people of color are much more likely to be sentenced to execution than white defendants. I don't even want to, when I frame the issue, I don't talk to people about it by race. Because here's the, here's the number one thing for me. It was like 94% of people on death row couldn't afford an attorney. So it is 100% delved out to poor people. Overwhelmingly to poor people. Because I've, I've said it before. In theory, I am, I am pro-capital punishment. You could... Fucking Henry Kissinger should have been put on the block years and years, years ago. 
We should, we're just doing it to the wrong people in my opinion. Ethical concerns are also a major part of the question. Smith's attorneys have argued, for instance, the state may not be able to conduct his execution without concerning side effects that draw out the killing. There are also worries that Smith could choke during the process if he vomits while it's taking place. And as UN rights officials have warned, nitrogen hypoxia could amount to torture or other cruel, inhumane, or degrading treatment. Lawyers for the state of Alabama, meanwhile, have defended the practice and said that it will be painless, that Smith will be unconscious within seconds. Similar methods have also been used in assisted suicides in Europe. In recent weeks, Smith's counsel put in a last-ditch plea to block the execution on the grounds that it violates his constitutional protections against cruel and unusual punishment, but the Supreme Court declined to intervene. I think the various practical problems of the death penalty have generated a public opinion movement against it, says Frank Bumgartner, a political science professor at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, who has specialized in the study of capital punishment. It started with innocence, but has spread to botched executions, cost overruns, time delays, and lack of deterrence value. The use of the death penalty overall, however, has been on the decline. These declines are due to political backlash towards capital punishment, changes in the law that have raised the legal bar for such sentences, declines in crime in recent decades, and better representation for capital defendants. Now, here's the... Here is the piece of video that is going to give me the fucking willies as we walk through what Miss Kenneth Eugene Smith. This is what his day was like today. All eyes of the nation is on Alabama today. The state planning the first ever execution attempt with nitrogen hypoxia. And we're going to dive Take a deep dive into how it will work. Kenneth Eugene Smith is this is for the second time that he'll walk down death row and then be strapped to a gurney. And we have the timeline of today's execution and protests erupting people from all across the U.S. descending on Atmore today for their plea of change. And we do have team coverage for you this morning. And we also have some full coverage all day long leading up to Smith's final breath. But before we get into that team coverage this morning, we want to start with how this all started. The brutal killing of Elizabeth Sinet. Now, it was in 1988 when Elizabeth's husband, Pastor Charles Sinet, paid Kenneth Smith and John Parker $1,000 to kill her. The men broke into her home on Coon Dog Cemetery Road in, the Colbert, in Colbert County. And she was then stabbed and beaten to death with a fireplace poker. Charles Sinet later killed himself. Smith and Parker were sentenced to death row. Parker was executed in 2010. Now for Smith, this will be the state's second attempt to end his life. Uh, the state tried to kill him by lethal injection back in November of 2022, but they were unable to set the IV line. And Jarvis Robertson was there the day of that botched execution. So we're bringing Jarvis back in today. Well, Jarvis, you, uh, you're looking into what Smith is expected to see throughout today and what he's expected to experience up until the execution tonight. Uh, yeah, that's right, Magdala. Now, all of this is expected to happen throughout today, barring any intervention from the courts or Governor Kay Ivey. Now, after more than... The Supreme Court declined this case as of an hour ago.
Two decades on death row, convicted killer Kenneth Smith will be killed himself, no didn't he? No later than 10 o'clock this morning. He will not be granted any more solid food after that time. The state will cut off Smith from receiving any liquids after 4 p.m. this evening, and the execution is set to be carried out no earlier than 6 p.m. tonight at the William C. Holman Correctional Facility in Atmore. Now, the state then has until 6 o'clock tomorrow morning before that death warrant expires. Thank you, Jarvis. And the reason this story is gaining a lot of attention around the world is because it all centers on the use of nitrogen gas. Yeah, this type of execution method has never been tried before, and it's only legal in three states. Attorney General Steve Marshall told the federal court that the gas is the most painless and humane method of execution known to man. Uh, but Dr. Jeffrey Keller, the president of the American College of Correctional Physicians, said that no one knows what a person will feel from the nitrogen gas, calling it an experiment experimental procedure. Now this will all work by placing a mask over Smith's face and then replacing his oxygen with nitrogen. Now, the state is predicting that Smith will go unconscious within seconds and then die within minutes. They predict. Reverend Jeff Hood will be in the death chamber with Smith. Yes, and he's worried about the gas leaking into the room, putting his life in danger. When they turn on the gas, I will be uh, feet from, uh, you know, uh, literally feet from him. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm prepared for whatever happens uh, next. Reverend Hood, who you just heard from, is among the many that are protesting today's execution. Yeah, a lot of people around the world are against this method right now, and protesters do plan to be near the prison as the execution is happening. WBTM 13's Patsy Douglas spoke with one of the leaders behind that protest. Patsy, what is that message during these final hours? Well, right now they tell me that they do plan to be near the prison by noon. And they also uh, tell me that they will have signs of protesting again near that prison ahead of the death sentence for Kenneth Smith. Now this comes after they spend the, uh, the, the last night here in Birmingham making their message heard. The group Death Penalty Action has sent a petition to Governor Kay Ivey with hundreds of signatures. Now advocacy groups and protesters skeptical about the procedures. Many believe it's unfair and should not be an experiment on prisoners. Many people would argue that uh, who cares if this murderer feels a little bit of pain on his way out and the Supreme Court has said that that's okay. But at the, at the end of the day, you know, we don't need to do this. And if it's somebody that you love, would you be okay with it? That's got to be the question that people have. Um, yeah, so we should not be experimenting on prisoners. End of story. I don't think it's happened yet. I don't think they've. They haven't pronounced him dead yet, or at least it hasn't really. It hasn't hit the news. They have until six a.m. Usually, the the death warrant expires at midnight. Odd to have until six a.m., but it's fucking Alabama. The weird fucking state. We like to do our killing before breakfast. And I, I, that. Heartbreaking. I, I hate this shit. 
man in Japan has been sentenced to death after an arson attack that killed 36 people back in 2019. A Japanese man has reportedly been sentenced to death after being found guilty of killing 36 people in a fire in 2019. Shinji Aoba is accused of setting fire to Kyoto Animation Studio Number 1, causing many people inside to die of carbon monoxide poisoning. NHK reports his defense tried to argue he was mentally unfit to be held criminally responsible. But the court disagreed because it found evidence of premeditation and hesitation before the arson. Aoba was also accused of plotting another potential attack at a train station. The report says Aoba claimed the animation studio plagiarized his work and he set the fire out of revenge. 32 others were also reportedly uh -huh. injured. Reports say this was the deadliest arson attack in the country's modern history. For Inside Edition Digital, I'm Mara Montalbano. I wonder if they did plagiarize his work. I don't, I don't know if that uh, warrants killing 36 people. But I can understand being a little pissed off about it. He could be smoking crack. It could be one of those things where like, okay, when you're a creative, you have to, you have to understand that you know, there's only like stand up comedian. There's only so many ways to tell a joke. So other people are going to come up with the jokes that you come up with as well. Especially if you're talking about something that's topical. That's one of the reasons why, like, late-night talk shows are irrelevant now, because you hear all the jokes on Twitter and Reddit before you ever get to fucking Stephen Colbert talking at 11.30 at night. I went off on a tangent. I don't even know what I was talking about anymore. Unfortunately, I got some bad news here for you. deputy that was serving an eviction survived getting shot not yet shared the name of the suspected gunman involved and we're expecting to get an update from them in the next 90 minutes uh, on the search for that person as for the alameda county sheriff's deputy who was shot we've learned he was shot in the arm he is expected to be okay he's recovering in the hospital after undergoing surgery now this all started in union city around 1:30 in the afternoon yesterday at a business park in union city on dow street near alvarado niles road two alameda county sheriff's deputies went into a building it's to Texas. serve an eviction warrant once inside, one of them was shot in the arm. Now, for hours after the shooting, throughout the day and well into the night, police surrounded the building where it happened, believing the gunman was still inside. They shut down streets while a SWAT team used percussion grenades and drones to try and force the gunman out. Overnight, police say they completed a full search of the building. They said there is no longer a danger to the public. However, we do not have any confirmation about whether they found anyone inside or whether anyone's been arrested. It's not clear whether the person being evicted that started all this was using the building as a residence or as a business. I don't know the details of why they were being evicted, but civil was there conducting the business that our civil unit does. They affect the eviction once it's gone through the court process. The Sheriff's Department, right at this time, they're getting more and more uh, evictions coming because we've had all these moratoriums that have uh, been, been canceled. So now you have all these, uh, these evictions happening more frequently. 
The Alameda County Sheriff's Office says the two deputies who went in to serve that eviction yesterday do this type of work on a daily basis. They're part of the department's civil division, but they are in full uniform and they are armed. So when they go into homes and businesses for this kind of work, there is no question that they are with law enforcement. Again, latest information from police is that the situation has, quote, resolved. There is no longer a threat to the public, but there is still an... It sounds like they killed somebody. The Alameda County... I assume it's Texas. I don't know where this is at. This is the Bay Area. This is California. Alameda County, California is where this happened. Is there even an Alameda County, Texas? Did I just make that shit up? Kind of like the state of Rhode Island? Let's do this one first. I was like, I want to, I want to say we're into like the bullshit section of the show, but this is uh, like, I want to, I want to laugh. I want to laugh a lot at this story, but it's also something that's very much not fucking funny. I believe every, okay, I'm a hardcore wrestling fan. Huge fan of the WWE. Vince did what? Brock did what? Bro, just what? Which cat you want? I got socks and Smokey are right here handy. If you want a Maynard, I'll go get him. I'll make a Maynard happen. He's been he's been terrorizing Socrates for hours. All the cats. I would like at like I believe I believe every having Having had Vince McMahon in my life since I was a little kid, I believe every single allegation. You want to get smoky? Here's your smoky bong. They hate everybody, smoky. Fox just sneezed. so much Vince McMahon assaulted an ex-employee with sex toys named after WWE wrestlers defecated on her head hey Libertad defecated on her head during a threesome. You live in sexual anarchy? Oh, no, 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 no. We're just getting to the good part. A former WWE employee claimed Vince McMahon sexually abused her, including with sex toys named after wrestling stars. Now, I... 
Does everyone know who Vince McMahon is? This is the owner of the WWE. He bought it from his his dad was the Northeast Territory promoter back in the olden days of wrestling. He bought the company from his dad in like 1983-1984. Bet all the money that he had. This was Richard, this was actually like a Wall Street Journal like like that like they were the ones that broke the story. However, uh, I went with the New York Post because I knew it would tell the most salacious details. Because I've had to go to multiple sources to get all the different details. Knew the New York Post would give us the best shit. It is a pedo stash indeed. But this man put wrestling on the map, took the WWF nationwide. Cosmic Fox, good evening. This picture is so awkward. That's Dana White of the UFC. This is from, the, I think, their announcement of their merger. So just imagine this man who was like 70-something years old. As we're reading this story, Janelle Grant broke her silence about their relationship with disturbing allegations, including charges that the wrestling magnate defecated on her head during a threesome in May of 2020. This is during COVID. And sex trafficked her to other WWE executives. This is according to a complaint filed in Connecticut Federal Court on Thursday. Grant alleged in the complaint that McMahon sent her a text message in May of 2020, which read, I'm the only one who owns you and controls who I want to fuck you. Her lawsuit comes after the Wall Street Journal reported last year that the WWE was investigating an alleged $3 million payout from or payment from McMahon to a departing female employee following a consensual affair. Grant, who was unnamed at the time, claimed she received an initial installment of $1 million, but no further payments afterward. A subsequent investigation found that McMahon paid $14.6 million to several women who accused him of sexual misconduct. According to the lawsuit, McMahon's use of sex toys on Grant caused her injuries such as bruising and bleeding. Grant, that is pervy old Vince, but that is a picture from like 20 years ago. McMahon is also alleged to have shared nude photos and explicit videos of Grant without her consent with other WWE employees. He once locked her inside his private locker room at WWE headquarters in Stanford, Connecticut and forced himself on her over a massage table. Now this, this is how we know it's true because multiple allegations have centered around uh, masseuses and people giving Vince massages. Apparently, this is something he likes to do. WWE boss is also alleged to have directed Grant to have sex with other executives and a wrestling star. 
John Laurinaitis, WWE's former head of talent relations, who is named as a defendant in the lawsuit, was allegedly recruited by McMahon to have sex with Grant. John Laurinaitis was in a tag team in the 90s called Dudes with Attitudes, and he used to to ride a skateboard down to the ring. Grant was told by McMahon to visit Laurinaitis in his hotel rooms where she had sex with him before work days. In one encounter at WWE offices in June of 2021, McMahon and Laurinaitis forced themselves on her and took turns restraining her for the other. No means yes, take it bitch, were among the things McMahon and Laurinaitis said to Grant during the alleged assault. In July of 2021, McMahon told Grant to create sexualized content on her phone and send it to Brock Lesnar. Now, I I would like to point out to everyone that they don't actually say Brock Lesnar. They say a former UFC heavyweight champion that was negotiating with WWE. So, that's only one person. And McMahon tried to get Brock to re-sign by having some intern send pictures, nude pictures to him. Last July, federal law enforcement agents executed a search warrant and served a federal grand jury subpoena to McMahon. WWE said in the filing with the Securities and Exchange Commission that while government investigations into McMahon remain ongoing, no charges have been brought in them. That is a picture of John Laurinaitis, not the dudes with attitudes John Laurinaitis, but this would have been mid-2000. The company said it had received voluntary and compulsory legal demands for documents, including from the federal law enforcement, uh, from federal law enforcement and regulatory agencies, concerning the investigation and related subject matters. In 2022, WWE formed a special committee to review allegations of misconduct against me. McMahon said in a statement. That review was concluded in November of 2022, following an extensive investigation. McMahon said that throughout this experience, I've always denied any intentional wrongdoing and continue to do so. So, according to him, he might have done wrong. It just wasn't intentional. I'm confident that the uh, government's investigation will be resolved without any findings of wrongdoing. Last year, Endeavor, the talent agency run by Ari Emanuel, completed a $21.4 billion merger with WWE. TKO Group, the merged entity which combines WWE and UFC, said in a regulatory filing on Tuesday that WWE's weekly television show Raw will move to Netflix. We heard from Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who is now on the board of directors of WWE. That night, that night, uh, he, his daughter was made the GM of NXT, the training territory uh once again this uh when i put this on the list if it wasn't for the fact that her titties were on uh my 
thumbnail for the YouTube. I wouldn't do the story because it wasn't it was it wasn't the it wasn't the story I thought it was. That there was like some kind of domestic dispute, but apparently, porn star Jesse Jane died at the age of 43 of an apparent overdose alongside her boyfriend, actress Jesse Jane, real name Cindy Taylor, and her boyfriend Brett Hassenmuller found dead at a property on Wednesday morning. Law enforcement officials in Moore, Oklahoma said that the adult actress and her partner appeared to have died from a drug overdose. What else are you going to do in Oklahoma? Since news of her passing spread, stars from the adult industry have started paying tribute to the actress. Oh, wow. We just talked about it. We just talked about it a few minutes ago. Breaking news from the Daily Mail. They have confirmed for us that Kenneth Eugene Smith becomes the first person in history to be executed using nitrogen gas. 58-year-old convicted killer had a mask placed over his nose and mouth before a stream of 100% nitrogen gas suffocated him. Smith's pastor told Daily Mail beforehand he was really struggling and ate only a small part of his final meal of steak, hash browns, and eggs. He was sentenced to death in 1996 over a murder-for-hire slaying of a pastor's wife eight years prior. The Holman Correctional Facility. We've covered it multiple times here on this stream. They had a they had an uprising of the inmates one time. That was fun. Yeah, DM, I cried about that earlier when we when we went over the gruesome details. We we discussed how he was going to be put to death, the experimental nature of it, all of the concerns, and then we watched a video of one of the local news agencies running down his final 24 hours, and I kind of lost it during that part because it's uh, it's a shame, it's an injustice. Law enforcement officials said that the fame actress and her boyfriend appeared to have died of a drug overdose. Officers had responded to their address for a welfare check after Hassenmuller hadn't appeared at work for days. This is a picture of Jesse Jane. Jesse Jane. This is her at the AVN Awards in 2017. It was 98% couldn't afford a lawyer. I said 94% earlier. I could believe it. I could believe it's 98%. Jesse Jane, rest in peace. Adult actor and director Tommy Gunn, real name Thomas Strada, shared an emotional tribute to Jane, with whom he had co-starred in multiple films, including Pirates, Arg. Taking to X, Gunn shared an image of the two together, saying he was grateful to have been graced by her presence. Does indeed look like he is very much enjoying himself and her presence. It's been from the 2018 Adult Film Awards or AVN Awards. 
Movie director June, who directed the Pirates film starring Jane, said, I'm heartbroken by the loss. Jesse Jane was a remarkable person and a phenomenal artist. I'm not familiar with her as I've as I've gone over here on the stream. I watch amateur shit. You live in sexual anarchy? I don't know any of these pros. Speaking of pros, this this man is a professional scam artist. In more ways than one, he is a pastor. And he apparently got everyone in his congregation to buy into his Ponzi scheme crypto bullshit. Says that God made him do it. New at four, a Colorado pastor has admitted he and his wife carried out an online cryptocurrency exchange that stole more than a million dollars from his Christian followers. The civil suit now being filed against them claims they did this because they were instructed to by God. So the complaint alleges Eligio Regalado and his wife Caitlin created, marketed, and sold a cryptocurrency called Index Coin to people in the Christian community. The couple advertised both online and in person through presentations made at churches, including the couple's own church, Victorious Grace Church in Denver. In all, more than 300 people put nearly $3.2 million into that scheme. But that's not where it ends. The suit also alleges $1.3 million was pocketed by the couple. And while Regalado admitted to 500000 of that cash went to the IRS, the rest went to things like luxury handbags, cosmetic dentistry, and vacations. On top of that, a few hundred thousand went to a home renovation that, quote, the Lord told them to do. Let's bring in Queen City News Chief Legal Analyst Kali Froads into the conversation. All right, so we're to really even begin here. The biggest question of all, though, is blaming God a decent <laughs> Not yes. at all. No, or didn't tell him to do this. What I can say is that this is a mix of a prosperity. There's video of it. And so I listened to a couple of his videos, and that's what he's saying. Like, listen, there's abundance out there waiting for you. And you've seen these type of prosperity ministers in the past. The only issue is that he was also attempting to connect cryptocurrency without having any background in cryptocurrency. So he's advising them to invest in this cryptocurrency that it made him rich. Unsafe. He had no knowledge of using it, and these people's money was potential to be stolen. And so then he's encouraging them to keep investing while he was. You you've got yeah got to hear him. You got to hear it from his own mouth. He made a video about it, and then posted. This is this is civil charge. This is from his account. Uh, from the Colorado Securities and Exchange Commission, we're basically selling millions of dollars worth of cryptocurrency that is deemed worthless by the state. Now the reason that they're seeing that it's worthless is because there is no exit for people who have bought. We launched an exchange, the exchange technology failed, things went downhill, and from that point forward, we've just been, we've just been waiting on the Lord literally for a miracle. So, Praise Jesus. I pocketed $1.3 million, and I just want to come out and say that those uh, charges are true. So there's been $1.3 million that's been taken out of, I think it was a total of $3.4 million. But out of that 1.3, half a million dollars went to the IRS, and a few hundred thousand dollars went to a home remodel that the Lord told us to do. So how this whole thing started is the Lord told us uh, in 21 to walk away from our marketing company. And he said, I'm going to do a new thing. And then he took us into this cryptocurrency. It was a different cryptocurrency other than index coin at the time. Well, that cryptocurrency turned out to be a scam. Ah! And so the Lord says, give that to him, but also give them a 10X. And I'm like, well, where's this liquidity going to come from? And the Lord says, trust me. 
Well, as money is coming in, uh, we would be sowing it. And at first it was hundreds of dollars and thousands of dollars, then tens of thousands of dollars. Money would come in, we tithe, we sow, more money would come in. And so we were just always under the impression that God was going to provide. That it's not this crypto was a scam. It is that crypto is a scam. Being a pastor is a scam. Religion is a scam. The source was never ending, that God was doing a new thing, and that we had nothing to worry about. And we sold a cryptocurrency with no clear exit. We did. We took God at his word and sold a cryptocurrency with no clear exit. And so the prosecutors... Allow me to translate for you. Like the exit was his pocket. The money went into his pocket. Have to take that and say, these people willingly sold a cryptocurrency with no clear exit. What we're praying for and what we're believing for still is that God is going to do a miracle. God is going to work a miracle in the financial sector. Wow. Wow. We're still, we're still praying for a miracle here. His charges have been brought against us. Was also pocketing it. And so nothing in the scriptures that he was pointing to in any of those videos that I watched talked about remodeling of homes. And so while he may be using it as a defense now, what the government is stating is that while you were attempting to lure people into this scheme, you were doing it for nothing connected to religion, but only connected to selfish gain. You see the title of this, you think uh, maybe this pastor is drinking too much of the communion wine here, but... Uh. Uh, criminally prosecuted for this. Oh, 100%. This is, he will, this will be a, a criminal prosecution for sure. And what I thought was strange is it was brought not under the SEC, but under Colorado laws, which were their specific state regulations regarding their security rules. But this also opens the door for a number of larger conversations. While cryptocurrency is seeing a major boom and there's a talk of a digital currency. What? In the United States, and their politicians are taking a side on what they want to talk about. That this is something that no boom in cryptocurrency territory on how do you prosecute an individual? But in the securities world, and a cryptocurrency is a security, just like a stock, just like a bond. This is something that they say no. You made a promise. You had folks sign up for it, and you misled them. It's just like anything else, except for now it's on the internet. Well, so legally, what happens next? Just step by step. For he this. better lawyer up for sure. Yeah. I, I can tell you that, that <laughs> he will need a a, a hard a defense to, to do this, and it can't be something that's rested on the Lord telling them because just like in any federal case, they have a 99% conviction rate, and so once they Lord send him a into, lawyer, figure out that you are the target of the investigation. He said, yeah, we paid taxes on it, and he admitted to spending. 1.2 million on a home renovation. Well, if you're doing a security, they are extremely detailed. You have to tell them to the T what you plan on using the money for and how. You can't make misrepresentations, and I can assure you, in none of those contracts did it say I plan on doing a remodel. Not at all. Not at all. All right, doesn't pass the smell test either. At especially all. Governor. All right, Khalif Roach, thank you. All right, and that's... Well, if you got something that doesn't pass the smell test, I've got some advice for you. Life is too short to walk this earth. What a crusty asshole. Wash your ass. That might help you with your spell test. Sorry. I went there. God damn it. Here's a smoky. I will. You talk so much. Why won't you ever talk into the microphone? He is a very vocal cat. He has whole conversations with me. 
Cannot get him to talk into the microphone. <laughs> He's a sweet baby. Most of the time. Alright, I'm going to hit a content warning for this one because I think we're going to get some transphobia going on in here. And fuck the transphobia. We got dunk on... Mr. Golfy Man here. Did John Daly make transphobic comments about LGPG, LGB, LGBT, LPG, LPGA golfer Haley Davidson? This is this is John Daly. You might know him from the Tiger Woods meme where Tiger's looking all preppy and he's wearing his loud outfit, looking at Tiger, smoking a cigarette. Daly's been a controversial golfer for a very long time. He's an avid fan of former President Donald Trump and has always done things unconventionally from his on-course attire to his eating habits. So this is, this is not shocking at all. Daily often uh, divides opinion among golf fans. Daily was recently the subject of controversy again over reports that he had allegedly made transphobic comments about transgender golfer Haley Davidson. But how true are those reports, says Sports Skeeta. They're not true at all. Daly hasn't made any statement about Davidson at the time of writing. According to a report, John Daly said that the LG, LBG... OPGA Tour golfer Haley Davidson was not feminine and that he could not have uh, done what she did and been quite successful at it. The report alleged that the PGA Tour uh, player said, I would have won 100 tournaments if I threw on a skirt and called myself a tranny. That dude is as feminine as a Ford F-150. This got many golf fans talking. The replies to the tweet were uh, divided, with many saying they couldn't believe these comments from Daly and that they were disappointed. Others expressed pride that, wait a minute, didn't they say he didn't make transphobic comments? Because that was absolutely transphobic. Others expressed pride that he was saying what he thought and claimed that there was no issue with his comments. Daly himself made no mention of the comments on his own socials. That is because he didn't say it. The report comes from a parody account on X, formerly known as Twitter. They do not have, or they do have a Twitter blue check, which earlier used to signify expertise or verification. This mark was presumably bought and paid for. The account is an official news outlet. A trip to their page will confirm that they don't post real news. Not for boomers or Karens, satire, golf version of the Babylon Bee, and the Onion parody. Apparently he didn't say it. it it's just it's so believable because he's a Trump supporter that he absolutely would say something transphobic. I don't know. This, this looks like a dude that would bang, bang a uh, trans woman. After, after he shot around the golf. You slandered a believable parody account indeed, Richard. What was parody about that? If everybody would run with it and think it's true, is it really parody?
I apologize for impugning you, Mr. Daly. If you're not a transphobe, you still might be a transphobe. I don't know. I'm going to give you guys a little... Uh, I feel this could be useful advice. Useful advice. This is called Nightshade. A free tool that poisons AI models. It's now available for any artist to use. Months after it was first announced, Nightshade, a new free software tool allowing artists to poison AI models. I'm going to stick it in the chat for you guys. Seeking to train on their works is now available for artists to download and use on any artworks they see fit. Developed by computer scientists on the Glaze Project at the University of Chicago, the tool essentially works by turning AI against AI. It makes use of the popular open source machine learning framework, PyTorch, to identify what's in a given image, then applies a tag that subtly alters the image at the pixel level so other AI programs see something totally different than what's actually there. Today is the day Nightshade V1A is ready. Performance tuning is done. UI fixes are done. It's the second such tool from the team. Nearly one year ago, the team unveiled Glaze, a separate program designed to alter digital artwork at a user's behest to confuse AI training algorithms into thinking the image has a different style than what is actually present. But whereas the Chicago team designed Glaze to be a defensive tool, and still recommends artists use it in addition to Nightshade to prevent an artist's style from being imitated by AI models, Nightshade is designed to be an offensive tool. An AI model that ended up training on many images altered or shaded with Nightshade would likely erroneously categorize objects going forward for all users of that model, even in images that had not been shaded with Nightshade. Therefore, an AI model trained on images of a cow shaded to look like a purse would start to generate purses instead of cows even when the user asked for the model to make a picture of a cow. Fucking A. In another sign of our dystopian society, parents had to raise money to wipe out lunch debt. No cheese sandwiches. Some parents of students attending public schools in the city of Decatur are concerned about some policy changes involving the meals their children are served. Mm, good day's Eric Curry joins us now with what families need to know. Eric? Yeah, this really has a lot of people talking. Beginning February 1st, city schools of Decatur will begin serving an alternative meal of a cheese sandwich and milk to some students who have unpaid meal balances. Now, before the financial hole gets too deep, their families will have a few chances. Now, according to the updated procedures students will max out after three meals have been charged to their account that's for the entire school year so that means ten dollars and fifty cents can be charged for middle and high school students and nine dollars seventy five cents for elementary students before they're giving the alternative why is this why is this a thing just feed the kids i don't fucking get it 
Instead of, instead of bombing the kids over in Iraq, can we feed our kids here? Meal. Families simple. do not have to pay any negative balances in full before February 1st for their children to have a regular meal. Letters notifying families about the changes were sent out earlier this month. To make or arrange payments, parents can contact the district's nutrition to the department. But Ron Elise officials say updated rules are about financial sustainability, but really it has caused quite a stir within the parent yeah. community. Fund the schools, goddammit. After news of the policy spread online, Metro Atlanta resident and Gooder CEO Jasmine Crow Houston. Well, this was just a fucking publicity stunt then. Set up a GoFundMe to eliminate all that debt. No child should ever go hungry or be subjected to unnecessary embarrassment due to financial constraints. Crow Houston wrote on the fundraiser, I believe that every child deserves a full nutritious meal to fuel their bodies and minds for a successful day of learning. In the two days since the GoFundMe was set up, it has already reached its goal of 80 grand and continues to grow. Dystopia. Writing on Thursday, Crow Houston said her heart is overwhelmed with emotion, astonishment, and gratitude for the community's response. We can pay off all the meal balances and no cheese sandwiches. Crow Hartley said she had spoken with Decatur School Superintendent Guillermo Whitaker and has committed to use the additional money to make a reserve nutrition fund to help prevent kids from falling behind in the future as well as opening a free Gooder grocery store in schools so kids don't go hungry. In a news release on Thursday, school officials said they were grateful for the overwhelming support, announced that all $88,000 in debt had been eliminated thanks to a corporate foundation grant. I mean, it's wonderful that the community did that, but they shouldn't have to. This is a structural failing. Coming up on the next major holiday, which is Groundhog Day. Movie made famous by the one and only Bill Murray. PETA apparently wants to replace Puxatani Phil. They'd rather do a coin toss. Groundhog Day is coming up and the people for the ethical treatment of animals or PETA is calling for change. Animal Rights Group said it sent a letter this week to Tom Dunkel, Buxatawney Groundhog Club's president, I'm going to go ahead and point out that this fucking groundhog is probably incredibly well taken care of. If you're going to stand up for animals, probably not this one. Animal Rights Group said it sent a letter this week to Tom Dunkel, the Punxsutawney Groundhog Club's president, offering to send the club a giant gold coin to replace Punxsutawney Phil and give him a reputable sanctuary. He is not a meteorologist, and he deserves better than to be exploited every year for tourism money. 
The Groundhog's weather prediction is no more accurate than flipping a coin. They are correct on that. I mean, I agree with them in principle. The huge coin could easily replace them as Pennsylvania Town's gimmick to draw in tourists. According to the Puxatawney Groundhog Club, 1886 marked the first time that Groundhog Day appeared in the local newspaper, and the following year brought the first official trek to Gobbler's Knob. Today, Groundhog Day remains what it was when the tradition first came to our shores and found its way to Puxatawney, a day to take everything a little less seriously and break up the winter monotony, at least for a little while. Pedo representatives say that groundhogs typically try to avoid humans and are shy, solitary animals. That's true. They don't want to live in confinement in a local library where they can't do anything that's natural and important to them. Wait a minute, they keep it in a local library? It's not just, it's like it doesn't have its own little habitat? They also don't want to be used to prognosticate the weather or be exposed. Now you don't know if that groundhog wants to predict the weather or fucking not. Shut up, PETA. Be exposed to flashing lights, uh, flashing cameras, human handling, or noisy crowds. The last part's true. The last part's true. I don't, I don't want the groundhog exposed to flashing cameras, human handling, or noisy crowds. Now, if it wants to predict the weather, you let that groundhog predict the weather. It's all about consent, ladies and gentlemen. 2022, the animal rights group called for the retirement of Puxcani Phil asking officials to instead predict the weather on Groundhog Day with a permission tree. What's a permission tree? Groundhog Day is scheduled for February the 2nd. So, what, about seven days away? Eight days away? We Yeah, we did the execution earlier, Warlord. Some people have pointed out that, you know, they didn't live to see the the 2024 election. Snicks, good evening. Happy Thursday to you. I would say that they were executed just in time because Tom McDonald is getting ready to drop a song with Ben Shapiro. Facts by Tom McDonald and Ben Shapiro. New video at 9 a.m. tomorrow. Who's ready to have their minds blown, he says. As I said earlier, you can see the smoke in the in the picture. That is from the friction generated from all the dry vaginas around them. I can't wait. It's going to be the first thing I do tomorrow is listening to is listen to this. I'm, I am, I am fucking, I'm stoked for it, but not for the reason that, like, he wants me to be stoked for it. Like, I, like, 
This is bound to be hilarious. Facts. I, I believe it was producer Dave pointed out, like Ben Shapiro once said that rap music wasn't real music. I guess it's okay if it's a white rapper, right? Because Ben Shapiro is totally not racist. I wish I could play it for you right now. I wish we could end the show with it. Oh no, I ain't gonna wake up. I am not waking my ass up in the morning. Just for that shit. Ain't a chance in hell. Oh my god, I gotta go to a different I gotta go to a different browser. This whole uh, YouTube's really fucking with me with this whole ad blocker shit. Here's you some weenie dogs. They're wearing sweaters. Little sweatshirts. Slap, slap. Yo, bandit. <laughs> DM has totally never been kissed. A, a girl has never let him hold her hand. I don't know that he's probably never masturbated. He, I, I can't, I feel like I asked him this question one time on stream. It made him really uncomfortable. But like, he seems like a, you know, masturbation is icky, icky kind of guy. I don't remember what his answer was. Did we had this conversation? Maybe a year ago? I don't know. I don't know how long ago it was. Maybe over a year ago. Cause he got really mad at me asking. <laughs> Cause he has, and he doesn't want to admit it. That's the, that's why he got really mad. He was like, who doesn't fucking masturbate, right? There's two types of people. Those, those who masturbate and those who lie about it. Was it, it was exactly one year ago. I want to say exactly. I want to say it was probably like before Christmas. I don't know. I don't have any fucking sense of time. All those weenies. Drama queen indeed. I can't believe she's got a little ramp. Let the puppers get in the vehicle. Yeah, that, I, I see what you're talking about with that ass. 
I didn't notice it before. I was, I was looking at the puppies. Go bandit. Yeah, the puppies aren't the only cute thing in that video. Look, he was up on his hind legs. Been digging a little hole. I love the one sideways. He's digging a little fucking hole. I can't imagine like having a, all my animals in bed with me. Like, well, like. I do and I don't, right? You're like cats kind of do their own thing. They lay in bed with me, but they get up and do their own thing. I don't often get Maynard in bed with me anymore. I gotta get a bed again. I need a I need a bed again. Now, how are you going to have that many puppies and you not sleep in a pile of puppies? That's just a shame. Apparently, Sparkle's been seeing some guy. I don't think she really likes the guy. I think she's seeing the puppy. Because that's what she keeps telling me. Like, this is the puppy I'm dating. She sent me a I thought he was out in his jammies, but she was like, no, that's a sweatsuit. Like, look at him in his little jammies. He's itty bitty. Go bandit. I love the I love the dude digging in the hole. That's my favorite one. Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before we hit the sack. I'm Justin Freegan. We'll see you Sunday night on the Troll Patrol live.